pain has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News and World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope. And there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. Electrical stimulation of areas deep inside the brain is used to treat severe tremors and movement disorders caused by conditions like Parkinson's disease. Although not approved by the Food and Drug Administration for pain control, what we call deep brain stimulation has actually been used to treat unyielding pain for over 40 years. Tiny electrodes are surgically placed within certain areas of the brain. These electrodes produce controlled electrical impulses that may regulate the brain's abnormal impulses. The electrical impulses can also affect certain cells and chemicals within the brain. The electrodes are then connected to a wire that travels under the skin, down the side of the neck, and then to a pacemaker-like device implanted beneath the collarbone. Our first guest, Thomas Ashley, shares a true story of triumph over fire-like pain felt from his neck down to his big toe on the entire right side of his body following a stroke. Then neurosurgeon Dr. Andre Machado from the Cleveland Clinic explores this fascinating therapy of accessing our inner brain for pain relief. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Mylan Pharmaceuticals, Purdue Pharma, Horizon Pharma, and Boston Scientific. Follow us on Twitter at DRPaulCristo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulcristomd.com. If you have any questions or comments for Dr. Christo, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. Thomas Ashley had a stroke and experienced pain on the entire right side of his body, from his neck all the way down to his big toe. He was on the verge of suicide, and then deep brain stimulation saved his life. Let's find out how. Thomas, welcome to Aches and Gains. Uh, Thank you, Dr. Paul. What did you experience the day of your stroke? The day of my stroke, I was in perfectly good shape. That particular day, I had you know, I had a stroke in the boat at, at 2.30 in the evening, and I had no control of my right side. Uh-huh. I don't even remember using my left side. Yeah. But the burning sensation that I experienced after that, it, got, it got, kept getting worse. So you were at a hunting camp in a boat and had a stroke all alone. How did you get help? Well, I always taught, you know, to overcome whatever the situation is. Yeah. And I actually had about another mile and a half before I get to the camp. And I made it to the camp, and it started drizzling and raining. I ran the boat the best I could on the bank. I sort of fell out the boat and flip-flopped like a fish up the bank and got out the weather a little bit. And it took me approximately about another two hours before I could get back inside the camp, but our camp's 11 foot off the ground. Wow. I mean, Thomas, it's amazing you survived. Uh, you fell out of the boat and then crawled two hours in the rain to get to the camp. Uh, it sounds like you were very weak on the right side of your body, too. Couldn't walk or nothing. I had to uh, fall and pull myself up with my left side and whatever I could do up in steps. 
And once I got inside the camp, you know, I was fairly good shape because it, it didn't get that cold down here. So I guess at the time, it probably was in the mid-40s at the most. My gosh. That, I mean, that's really incredible. What happened at the camp? Well, I spent another uh, 16 hours at the camp before somebody come got me. Mm. I just couldn't communicate with nobody because back then we didn't have cell phones or nothing. to figure I was going to be back there by myself till the next day. But a good friend of mine came back there and seen me in the situation. And he told me, I need to get you to a doctor. And I said, well, let's see what, what's going to happen. They don't, that night, everything started shutting down. I had a hard time breathing and everything. He had a bag phone and he called my wife. Wow. I mean, it's really lucky that your friend showed up. Uh, Thomas, where in the brain did you have the stroke and why did you have it? It was deep in the brain and the thalamus part of the brain. Mm-hmm. I was working, you know, 16, 17, whatever, 18 hours a day or whatever, you know. Yeah. If I got two hours, three hours of sleep a day, I done great. It was just pressure, pressure, pressure on the job. At the age of, uh, I was at the age of 42. Wow, I mean, that was pretty young. So it was the pressure of the job, and you also mentioned to me earlier that you had high blood pressure that led to the stroke. The thalamus, by the way, is uh, lies deep in the middle part of the brain and acts like uh, a, a switchboard or relay station for sensory information and pain from different areas of the body. Thomas, what did you experience after the stroke? After I had the stroke, in the first few days in the hospital, I noticed my right side it felt like somebody was pouring scalding water on me mm. from my neck all the way down to my toes. I mean, straight down the middle. Yeah. Couldn't lay down on my right side. I had a, I couldn't wear long pajamas or nothing. Oh. Even a t-shirt on top would even burn on my right. Below my neck was just it's excruciating pain. God, it, it really sounds terrible. And I'm wondering, was the pain there constantly, or was it did it just come off and on? No, constantly. It never, it never did go away. It never did go away at night. And the only way I could sleep at night would be to uh, take a pillar and put between my feet and try to hold my right leg and touching my left leg and don't sleep with a top on or pajamas or nothing. Yeah. What you're describing is called allodynia, and that's sort of like a very severe sunburn when you can't tolerate light touch to the skin, and it can be horrific, as you described. Thomas, you told me that you enjoyed hunting, fishing, and working the 28 acres of land that you have in southern Louisiana. So how did the pain affect your ability to do those things that you loved doing? Wasn't much of a day. You know, I'd go from the bed to uh, the recliner. I didn't go nowhere. I mean, I couldn't do nothing. The most pain medicine I would take, I became a, just about what you would want to call a zombie. And I went through that for about a year and a half. I have some patients like you whose lives have been completely transformed and limited from horrific pain. When we come back from the break, we'll talk to Thomas about whether his thoughts turned suicidal. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, the global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. Mylan Pharmaceuticals, one of the world's leading generic pharmaceutical companies. Discover why at Mylan, quality isn't just a claim, it's a cause we've made personal at seeinsidemylan.com. Purdue Pharma, making a positive impact on healthcare and on lives. Reminding everyone to safeguard medications in their home. Welcome back. We're speaking with Thomas Ashley, who had a stroke about 13 years ago in one of the deep areas of the brain called the thalamus. It resulted in pain on the entire right side of his body that felt like fire or scalding water. And Thomas, I'm really wondering whether you 
ever thought about ending your life from this terrible pain? Yes. It wasn't a life. You know, I was just sitting at the home and, yeah. you know, hurting all the time. And the only time I'd get any relief is when I'd fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Stay in the house, you know, 24-7. Didn't go to a store. Didn't go to uh, Christmas parties or nothing like that. I mean, you're looking at a person that used to do all that. I mean, yeah. you know, birthday parties with the kids or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you, you really didn't have a life. And that's what other patients of mine say as well. Thomas, what was it like, or take us into the operating room during the actual implantation of the stimulator? Okay, it's a probe. It goes down into the brain, what part of the brain is affected and everything. Yeah. And they install a uh, battery, like a pacemaker in you. Mm-hmm. You know, at first, I was completely uh, woke and everything. The only thing they gave me was a little lanikin where they uh, were going to put the device. They had to put this halo thing on top of my head. Mm-hmm. And then wherever they put the screws, they, you know, they, get, they had to put lanikins. I even cracked a few jokes about Donald Richardson. And they were drilling and, you know, talking. I mean, the whole time. But, I mean, the whole time, you wide awake and just like I'm sitting here talking to you. Yeah. I remember to the point that they finished drilling, and I'm, I guess they were using a laser too. And he went to knock it on, knock it on my head. And I told him, "Hey, they got somebody in here." <laughs> and then everybody broke out laughing and everything. You know, you really have a good sense of humor about the surgical experience and a great outlook on life. When the neurosurgeon put the electrode into your brain and turned it on, what did it feel like? I felt like a uh, electrical shock, but then. It just started feeling good. Yeah. I could feel the pain level going away. Mm-hmm. It felt better than what I had. I felt like like it was Christmas Day and I was looking Christmas presents. <laughs> that must have been a great, great relief for you. So you had the stroke in 2000. The deep brain stimulator was implanted in 2003. Since then, have you had any side effects? I had some problems with my right eye. Uh-huh. I could see through it good, but it would flash. But I've, I've then got over all that. Oh, good. Good to hear. Uh, Thomas... We've talked about the fact that, unfortunately, you can't drive anymore due to the effects of the stroke. But what can you do now that you couldn't do before? I got to go see my grandchild up in Philadelphia. So what I can do today, I go out to my camp. Mm-hmm. My wife drives me, puts my boat overboard. I'm able to keep up our yard, you know, make a little garden. That's not cooking everything. And, well, hunting and fishing is a lot of pleasure. No, I can go out there and fish three, four, five hours, whatever I want to do. Uh-huh. I just don't hunt as hard. I mean, I can't go in the woods and walk for miles and miles and miles. Like I used to do. Sure. But I can get in the boat and I can walk out the boat. I can go 100 yards in the woods, maybe a little more. Yeah, I mean, it's inspiring to hear that you're free to do a lot of the things that you love doing before the pain of the stroke became so limiting. And and today, how much relief are you getting from the deep brain stimulator? 90%, maybe a little better than that. Might be higher than that. Some days, 100%. That is remarkable. Well, it's the greatest thing to slice bread. I guess that would be the best thing to say. Yeah. Uh, Thomas, do you have as much pain relief today as you had when the stimulator was first implanted 10 years ago? I mean, is there a difference? I have more. That's great. Have you needed any revisions to the electrodes that are in your brain or, or to the battery? I had to change the battery last year. They installed, it was two leads mm-hmm. in case one did go bad or whatever. I did have a lead, you know, go bad. That automatically switched over to that other lead. Yeah. Once I got this stimulator put in me, my life began again. I was reborn. I didn't have a life. I was just at the point of taking my life. And I'm glad you didn't. But Thomas, do you realize that deep brain stimulation isn't approved for pain? How do you feel about that? You need to approve it for the uh, pain. I mean, they should have done this a long time ago. Mm-hmm. You just have to ask my wife how it changed my life. Yeah. If it only works for, say, one person out of a thousand, it's worth a try. And finally, what would you say to anyone with chronic pain 
who's given up. Try something different. Get out the box like I did. Just don't give up. That's the main thing. Don't give up. Mm -hmm. This deep brain stimulator works. I know it works for me. I agree. Don't give up. Thomas, I want to thank you for being here today on Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul, I appreciate you interviewing me and everything. I hope you can spread the word about the deep brain stimulator for pain. I will. Up next is Dr. Andrea Machado of the Cleveland Clinic, who will describe deep brain stimulation surgery for patients with intractable pain. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Horizon Pharma a biopharmaceutical company that develops and commercializes innovative medicines to target unmet therapeutic needs in arthritis, pain, and inflammatory diseases. Dr. Andre Machado performs deep brain stimulation surgery for patients with intractable pain syndromes, as well as those with Parkinson's disease, tremor, and psychiatric disorders. He's the director of the Center for Neurological Restoration at the Cleveland Clinic Neurological Institute. His research in deep brain stimulation for thalamic pain syndrome was awarded the National Institutes of Health Directors New Innovators Award. Dr. Machado, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you. Can we think of deep brain stimulation as a as a pain pacemaker for the brain? Yeah, that's an accurate description of it. Uh, the, the actual device resembles in some ways a heart pacemaker. It just paces at a much higher rate than a heart pacemaker. Okay. Andre, what is deep brain stimulation approved for? Stimulation is FDA approved for the treatment of the symptoms of advanced Parkinson's disease and essential tremor. It's approved under a humanitarian device exemption for the management of some dystonias as well as obsessive compulsive disorder. And a dystonia is a neurological disorder that causes continual muscle contraction, twisting, and abnormal postures. Are there other conditions that are being studied that may be controlled with deep brain stimulation? Possibly. There is a vast research in deep brain stimulation, multiple centers mm-hmm. conducting preclinical and clinical trials in deep brain stimulation for disorders that range from Alzheimer's disease to stroke rehabilitation, as well as Tourette's syndrome. Wow, that's really exciting. Andre, I mean, at the same time, do you think we should be more enthusiastic about deep brain stimulation for pain? I think we should be more enthusiastic about doing research to learn if it works or not for pain control. <laughs> right, I do right. not think that we should uh, make liberal use of it, assuming that it works for pain control. Exactly. You know, deep brain stimulation has actually been used for 40 years to treat unyielding pain. Now, today, deep brain stimulation targets two areas deep inside the brain. The first is called the thalamus, and the thalamus lies inside the middle portion of the brain. It acts like a switchboard, if you will, for sensory information, including pain, from other parts of the body to higher brain areas. The second area that's stimulated historically is called the periventricular gray or the periaqueductal gray regions. Those also uh, reside deep inside the brain and release our body's own natural painkillers when stimulated called endorphins. Dr. Machado, are neurosurgeons still targeting both of these areas to reduce pain? That depends on uh, who is doing it and where it's being done. And the conclusion on which area of the brain is ideal for alleviating pain 
by targeting with deep brain stimulation is open to debate, and it's actually the subject of my research. Well, traditionally, though, neurosurgeons target the thalamus to help treat neuropathic pain, which is pain caused by damage to the neurons themselves from injury or illness. And it represents things like uh, what we would feel following shingles pain or from diabetes pain or pain after amputation. And then the other area that neurosurgeons have targeted is called the periaqueductal gray or periventricular gray region. And that would be for nociceptive pain, which is what happens when special nerve endings called nociceptors are irritated from things like um, stubbing our toe or twisting our ankle. So in practice, are you targeting both of these regions with separate electrodes? One of the options that we have is to target both areas to uh, attempt a period of um, stimulation while the patient is in the hospital uh-huh. and figuring out which of the electrodes work, works best right. or if none work in alleviating the pain or if both work in alleviating the pain and then deciding which ones to leave. The reason that we target both areas is that we don't yet fully comprehend which ones may work better and what other influences may uh, interfere in that uh, outcome. Okay. And speaking of what will work and what won't, what types of pain are best treated with deep brain stimulation? The impression that we currently have, and it's only an impression, Mm -hmm. is that deep brain stimulation is likely to become a treatment if it gets there, right? But the target here would really be neuropathic pain. Right. Uh, We may have to... Uh, break it down in smaller categories than just neuropathic and nociceptive before we learn which one this works for. Absolutely, that makes perfect sense. Now, Andre, what this since deep brain stimulation has been used for, for several years, um, what are your thoughts on its use for certain pain syndromes? It may work well for cluster headaches. There are studies out there that corroborate that. Uh-huh. There are plenty of studies and uh, anecdotal reports of deep brain stimulation working quite well for brachial plexus of ocean or peripheral deafferentation, including chronic facial neuropathic pain. These all fall under the umbrella of the neuropathic pain syndromes, right. which is, I think, where the field is uh, evolving towards. Okay, and let me explain. Let's take uh, deafferentation pain. Well, the deafferentation pain results from some injury or trauma to the nerves that convey impulses to the spinal cord and the brain. And when we talk about brachial plexus avulsion pain, let's first look at the brachial plexus. The brachial plexus is a network of nerves that comes from the spinal cord in the neck, travels under the collarbone, through the armpit, and exits and extends down the arm. When someone suffers from an avulsion, well, that means that the nerves in this area have been torn away and can result in quite extreme pain. Andre, when should a patient consider deep brain stimulation? Well, at this point, deep brain stimulation is a uh, treatment of less resort. Right. It involves brain surgery, right? And it is really not for someone who has other uh, medical options. It's off-label. It is uh, not approved by the Food and Drug Administration. Some people call it experimental if done under uh, under an experiment or, or it will be just off-label use of medical device with limited experience. Even centers that have experience have limited experience in the use of the brain stimulation for pain. Uh, I think I can say that it can work, and I have seen it work for several patients. It can also fail. Sure, that's right. And Andre, if you will, 
take us into the operating room during this delicate neurosurgical procedure. Many centers will have the patient in a halo that's attached to the skull. This is done under local anesthesia, sometimes with or without sedation. Uh -huh. And usually we start sedation with intravenous agents, but without general anesthesia. Before yeah. that happens, we will have acquired uh, CT scans and or MRIs of the brain to help us target uh, precisely the brain area that we want to uh, go in. Uh -huh. Under sedation, we would do the part of the surgery that actually hurts, uh, meaning opening of the skin, opening of the skull, opening of the membranes of the brain. Yeah. The brain itself doesn't hurt uh, when we do surgery on it. And once the electrodes are inserted, either for doing recordings of the brain or for testing the effects of the permanent electrodes, uh, on whether they alleviate pain or not, or whether there are side effects or not, we would have the patient awake for that. You know, it's pretty frightening to imagine that uh, even a small area of the brain is going to be punctured with an electrode and then stimulated with tiny doses of electricity. I mean, are there just certain patients that are better candidates for this than others? It is not something that someone will do without giving it a couple of thoughts. Right. But uh, we, we try to make that environment as reasonable and reassuring as calm as possible. Yeah, and you know, I want to say that that environment, the environment of the operating room, and in this case, this neurosurgical procedure is pretty safe. I mean, the complications are really low, although we are concerned about possible bleeding in the brain, which is called intracranial hemorrhage uh, stroke and, and possible infection. And Andre, I mean, how well does deep brain stimulation actually work? Uh, say, for example, uh, a damage to the brachial plexus, or say, for example, a chronic pain of the face as a result of nerve injury uh -huh. of the face. Uh -huh. Stimulation can help, for example, 40%, 50% in some cases. My real question to my patients when I do this outside of a clinical study is, overall, is your quality of life better having this stimulation compared to before? Right. And to many of them it is. I think it remains an option for patients with these types of pain syndromes. I agree wholeheartedly. I think it's a great option uh, for those who have very difficult to treat pain. W what happens is that the lead or the wire that's placed in the brain uh, is then secured with a locking plug on the skull. And then an extension wire goes underneath the scalp, uh, behind the ear, down the neck, and then to a battery-powered stimulator that's placed under the collarbone. In fact, uh, Dr. Machado is doing research on deep brain stimulation and thalamic pain syndrome. Strokes in the core of the brain often cause thalamic pain syndrome, and, and that causes numbness on the opposite side of the body and sometimes paralysis. And unfortunately, the numbness in time is replaced with burning pain that can be terrible. Uh, Dr. Machado is specifically targeting uh, the emotional part of the brain to reduce pain and increase quality of life. And Andre, you know, are patients limited in your experience in any way in what they can do if they have a deep brain stimulator implanted? That's a fantastic question. Thank you. Patients can actually carry out a very normal life with deep brain stimulation with a few limitations. Deep brain stimulation is not compatible with MRIs right. other than right. some very specific brain type MRIs but not compatible, for example, at all with an MRI of the spine or the shoulder, so they cannot have MRIs. Patients can do most things. They can exercise, they can work, they can drive. Mm -hmm. The devices are really compatible, like pacemakers, I should say, with a pretty normal lifestyle. Yes, I think it's really exciting that this can reduce pain and allow patients to live a, a near-normal life.
And finally, Andre, what does the future hold for deep brain stimulation and for other neuroprosthetic devices? This may turn out to be a good treatment for depression. There is actually a clinical trial for early Alzheimer's now ongoing. Uh It may turn out to work for epilepsy, for Tourette syndrome. Hopefully, it may turn out to be safe and effective mm-hmm. for a majority of patients with chronic pain as well. Right. I think that pain is a, is a very common problem uh, that is being approached by multiple teams of investigators, and I think that we will see the birth of new devices mm-hmm. uh, in the future. One of the hopes uh, is that neuroprospective devices will also have some sort of sensing capacity. And that's my hope too. And it's encouraging to realize that deep brain stimulation may be a game changer for neurological disorders as well as pain. Uh, Dr. Machado, I want to thank you for being here today. Thanks very much for having me. Tune in next time when we explore another interesting topic on aches and gains. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.